I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Welcome back to the Explore in You podcast. I'm Kristen, I'm your host, and I'm so excited to be back. I know I took a little bit of a break. It's summertime, so I'm sure all of you have hopefully been on some fun vacations, and I just took some time to enjoy the beautiful place that I live. But today's episode is really special for a couple reasons. So first, this is the one-year anniversary of the Explore in You podcast. Can you believe it? I can hardly believe that an entire year has gone by and what a year it's been. So I just want to thank everyone who tunes in and listens to this podcast, anyone who's left a review or shared it with your friends, everyone who supports it means so much to me. Just know that I'm beyond grateful and to show my appreciation, I wanted to do a fun little giveaway. So from now until July 23rd, if you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, you'll be entered into a drawing to win an Explorer in You reusable water bottle for your travels. So there will be a chance for two people to win. And all you have to do is leave a review, screen capture it, and either email it to me or you can shoot me a DM on Instagram or message me on Facebook. So it's just a fun little thing that I want to do to say thank you for supporting the show. Now, this season of the show is going to have some really great guests. Today's guest is really special to me because I'm kind of on a mission to figure out how we can create more meaningful travel experiences. So I've done episodes on how to create more meaning while you travel, how to be more mindful, But my conversation with Kim approaches it from a slightly different angle. So Kim is all about participatory travel. So really just connecting with the people and the cultures that she visits on her travels and having an impact. And the way that she has an impact is by bringing her, sometimes it's their expertise from her career. Sometimes it's by rebuilding houses. Sometimes it's through a hobby, like she plays the guitar. And so this is the only way that she will travel now. She's decided not to travel for leisure anymore. On the show, we talk about ways to truly have an exchange where you bring your skill or your hobby or do pro bono work to help empower other communities and build those really lasting and impactful connections. I was inspired by her approach. And if you're looking for ways to evolve your approach to travel, Kim offers some really great insights in this episode. So let's get into the show. Hi, Kim. Thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start with you sharing a little bit about your story and your background. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I, I first 
started traveling um, in earnest when I worked for a very fancy travel magazine in New York many years ago. Um, and it was wonderful and fun in some ways. I got to stay at a lot of very, very luxurious places and see a lot of things. Um, but I really didn't get to know the cultures very well. I felt like I was sort of like a consumer travel traveler. And so um, something started to change when I actually got an assignment um, to go to Sri Lanka um, after the tsunami and I was helping rebuild houses. Um, and it was such an incredible experience to really get to know people. And I mean, we were working side by side with Sri Lankans helping rebuild their houses. And as we worked over the course of a few weeks, um, we got invited to their houses for dinner. We got to know their children. We played you know, games with their children every day. And it was just, it was so much deeper and so much more rewarding than any other kind of travel I'd done before. And I think it kind of transformed me. Um, and I went from there, I, I moved on and I, I wound up becoming a human rights journalist. And so, that really put me sort of into the white hot center of many cultures, not, not always in a way that was, as you can imagine, um, comfortable or easy. I, mean, a lot of, I saw a lot of very difficult things, but again, I had this experience of like really dropping into a culture and getting to know it from the inside out. And, um, and I feel like since then, it's been hard for me to travel in a more consumerist way. Uh, and so I really have sought out ways to, when I, when I go to another place, uh, to really participate in some way in the culture. So there's a few different ways that I've done that. After being a human rights journalist, I wound up doing a lot of nonprofit communications work. And one of the jobs that I had was for an organization called the Campaign for Female Education that supports girls and young women in mostly rural Africa to go to school all the way through, you know, if they can to college and or to have training opportunities for leadership. And um, I was, as a communications uh, manager there, I was traveling there and telling stories and taking photos and little videos of what was happening with these girls and their experience um, pursuing an education. Um, and in conversation with the organization, it's very much of a kind of bottom-up grassroots organization trying to really tap the, expertise um, and the wisdom of uh, the people that they're working with and have the programs be shaped from them. So because of that ethos, um, I was thinking about how could communications and storytelling look more organic and how could it come more directly from these girls and women who had amazing stories. But I was telling their stories and that's very different from them telling their own stories. And so we set up a sort of academy, a sort of citizen journalism academy where I taught them, you know, how do you write your own story? How, what's, what, you know, how do you kind of pull out the interesting details and create a narrative? Um, how do you take good photographs that tell the story of your life? How do you shoot little videos and tell the story of your life? And so that was another experience in my evolution as a traveler um, and a sort of participant in other cultures where it gave me the opportunity to share a skill that I've developed with other people um, and to sort of leave that behind as something that they could then use. <clears throat> and so that's another way that I think I've learned to travel um, that feels very rewarding and that feels immersive uh, and that feels, you know, like I'm not just taking from a culture, but I'm actually in some way integrating or possibly giving something or offering something. 
Yeah, it sounds like a very intentional way to travel um, where it's more of an exchange instead of just what is your experience going to be? Uh, like you're saying, you're taking, um, but you're actually giving as well. Um, did you have a background in writing? Is that how you started writing for a travel publication? I did. I had, um, I had not really studied it. Um, I had more just been a voracious reader and um, very interested in being a writer. I moved to New York after graduate school. I did a um, program in, at University of Texas in Austin in women's studies, um, but I was writing for their alternative weekly paper there and really enjoying it. And I knew that I wanted, at some point, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. So I moved to New York and started pursuing these magazine jobs. And I, I got lucky enough to get a job at this travel magazine, initially as a fact checker, which is how a lot of writers at magazines starts, and then, and then started pitching stories and getting assignments. Nice. And so, yeah, it sounds like writing was something that you are very passionate about and that, you know, something that you're taking with you into the communities that you're, you're visiting. Um, so can you maybe give us a, a glimpse into maybe a project that you helped some of the communities that you've you know, visited through the organization that you created? I got the opportunity to run a program. I didn't create it. I would love to take credit for that, but I would say that it was a program called Women and Girls Lead Global um, through a documentary film organization called ITVS, Independent Television Service. So they created this program. And then I would say that the program really, um, there was a lot of latitude in the design of the program for it to be co-created in the five countries where we were working on the ground. And so um, I, you know, as an American, as a Westerner outside of these cultures, and I'll tell you in a minute which they were, but um, I realized that it didn't make sense for me to sit in my office in San Francisco and create this program because um, it was a program that was designed to use documentary film to bring people together to think about issues in their community that were impacting them in various ways, often, you know, in difficult ways. Per, um, issues that affect women and girls development. And so, for example, we worked in Bangladesh on the issue of child marriage. We worked in Kenya on the issue of women's leadership. Um, we worked in Peru on early unplanned pregnancy and how it affects education for girls and young women. Um, we worked in India on gender-based violence. And those issues were all chosen uh, as the focal issues in each of those countries. So we, you know, I worked with and hired nationals in each of those countries and they hired nationals in turn to design a program that could really benefit from using films that touched on these issues and many other issues that impact women and girls um, as a way of convening people to kind of look at these stories about women and girls and think about how does this look in our community? Um, and do we want to do something about it? You know, does this feel like how we want women and girls to, to develop or do we feel like there's something different we want to, we want to do? Um, so there are many forms that that took, but one of the more interesting ones that I think uh, seems like it kind of, it really embodies that ethos of participatory um, storytelling is in Peru. Um, the project there trained a group of young people. So they were teenagers and they were thinking about early unplanned pregnancy. It was something happening in their school. Um, and so 
they learned to make short films and videos and they made, they kind of scripted and storyboarded the whole story. It was fiction, but about what happened to uh, a girl who experienced an early unplanned pregnancy and what happened to a girl who, you know, was able to avoid that and stay in school. And then they went on to make music videos um, and to create a whole social media campaign to kind of get the word out about this issue and you know how it's impacting girls and young women and how teens might be able to navigate it in a way that might help them pursue their goals and kind of avoid pitfalls. It sounds like it was a approach in a real partnership way where the intent is to empower the communities, have them have their creative input um, and express themselves whatever way uh, feels right, whether it's social media or, you know, music videos, and help them just like get that visibility around issues that are in their communities, or even just like with the example in Peru of just talking about something that is an issue um, that maybe isn't being talked about. Part of the Women and Girls League Global Project that I think showed the efficacy of having the cult, the local culture develop the project is um, gender-based violence is so sensitive and, you know, and, and it often involves thinking about like patriarchy and how are boys and men showing up and that can feel really shaming and really difficult to talk about. And so what the project in India did, and this is all really grassroots from the ground up is um, they talked to say adolescent boys about like, well, how do you think this, we should solve this? What do you think needs to happen? And they talked about approaching it from like, a, how, do, how do we talk about masculinity and what's hard about that? And how do we talk about how to be, the kind, grow into the kind of men we wanna be in a way that feels encouraging and not shaming. And so they developed this whole curriculum called the Hero Academy that was aimed at like, what does it take to be a hero? And it was very gender sensitive. And, um, and it wound up really being fantastic. And a lot of um, boys and young men who participated in it really enjoyed it and they looked forward to it and they didn't feel like they were being scolded or shamed. And they made also, you know, created short films and created community projects. And so I think, again, that just shows the power of humility and going into a culture with an idea of, of wanting to bring about change um, and really allowing the community to shape it. So I, I love that. And I love how it seems like a very much a partnership between the organization um, and the communities. And I know that it can get a little tricky, right, with Westerners or you know, non-local people kind of coming in to different communities. And I think you've been part of organizations and efforts that that really do value that that partnership. Can you talk a little bit about I guess, ways to avoid the sort of savior type of engagement with other cultures? Sure, yeah. And I think that that's been an evolution for me too, honestly, um, as I become more and more, as I've developed more and more cultural humility uh, and more and more cultural sensitivity. So um, I think, you know, 20 years ago, I, I think I thought that it was a noble thing <laughs> to go in and try to, help a community. And now I see it very differently. Um, and so, yeah, I think having the instinct to want to be supportive, to want to be helpful in some way, of course, that's, that can be, um, that can be very positive, but 
I think that it requires a lot of self-reflection and self-work, work on yourself to, to really reflect on how to do that in a way that is truly about serving a population that you feel intent on serving, right? And a lot of that is about making sure that you do not go in with assumptions or an agenda, I think. And maybe if there's any agenda, it's just how do I be supportive? And so I think going in with a lot of openness and a lot of humility and a lot of desire to, not just willingness to, but desire to listen, um, ask a lot of questions, really get to know people and, um, and let them lead as much as possible. I would say that if anything worked about um, the way that I, I worked on the project Women Girls Lead Global, it's that I really tried to have a light touch. So if anything, I was looking from a distance at like, if I'm looking at this as a media strategy that's trying to achieve some goals, you know, so who gets to service those goals? The community does um, and, the, and the nationals in that country. And so all I wanna do is see that the plan that they have to move toward those goals feels like it might make sense, right? And ask some questions to make sure that there are points along the way that seem like they might get them to that goals, to those goals. But other than that, um, really figuring out like what the tone of the stories is going to be, what the content of the stories is going to be, who's going to watch those, how those conversations will be facilitated, that really all came from the community. Um, how they wanted to solve the problems came from the community. As you can imagine, that's so much more powerful. It's not just politically correct. It's actually going to make, it's, it's going to have a chance of making a difference. It's not gonna probably have a chance of making a difference if I come up with that strategy. I just don't know the community. I don't know the nuances. I don't know the culture well enough. Right, and there's such power in owning your own story, shaping your own narrative. Like you're, you said, it's don't have that lived experience. You're not going to be able to communicate that in a way, like no matter how accomplished you are in your field or as a communications person, it's just not going to have that relevance. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I think a lot of stories of failed, failed international projects from many from an earlier time, maybe some recent too, about yeah, people with good intentions who had a fantastic idea, again, maybe sitting in an office far away from a culture or even kind of airdropping into a culture and thinking this is what's needed here. Um, and then those things not working or not being used. I like how you touched on the evolution of a traveler. I think that's so important because we're all evolving all the time. And I don't think there's anyone who you know, looks back maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago and thinks about something that they did or, or a way that they traveled that today they wouldn't think, oh, well, maybe I won't do that. Um, so I think it's important to talk about how we're all evolving. We're all learning how to, you know, interact <laughs> with people in the world. And so I think it's good to just, as long as you're open and continuing to be informed and be a aware, compassionate citizen, then that's all you can do, you know, is, is uh, just go out there in the world and try and visit people and places with respect, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I also do a lot of reading before I go to any 
culture that I'm new to. And, and I try not to rest in the reading, um, meaning I try not to use that as my only lens, right? That's, that could also be problematic, but I really try to educate myself. So I'm coming in with some understanding of everything from customs to history, you know, what, what are areas of sensitivity? So how I even know how to ask questions correctly or who to talk to. Um, but then I think that's, it's important to have a really good balance between that and, and remaining open because you could, or I could, and probably have, um, feel like, okay, now I understand. So I think, you know, remaining open even after you do the research is also really. Right, right. But, but you're right. It's valuable to have context to a place that you're going first. You know, sometimes it is nice to know um, history and maybe wars or conflicts or even um, nothing that negative, but just what are important things to this community that that might help me have a better experience or a more enriched experience. Hey, explorers, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to the free workshop that I created. It's called The Three Secrets to Starting Your Successful Podcast. Now, it's all about helping you to start your dream podcast so that you can share your voice and expand your business. If you want to join, just go to explorerandyou.com. It's totally free. All right, friend, back to the show. I'm curious. So it sounds like you're, you travel now with the intention of, you know, bringing something to, to the places that you travel. And do you have any suggestions for listeners for how they could do the same with something that they're passionate about? It could be, I guess, a hobby. It could be anything, right, that they're, um, they love doing that they could share with people you know that they meet in their travels or or travel with that intent of I'm going to you know use my gift or my skill to to help people so do you have suggestions on how people can do that for themselves one way might be to you know if there's a a nonprofit organization that works in a country that you're going to that you know of or maybe you know if you do some research um, to see what kinds of work uh, is being done there um, and could you imagine that there might be any need for what your what your skill or gift is, right? So that's really important. It's sort of uh, along the lines of don't go in with an agenda. Um, just because you know I can shoot photographs doesn't mean that everyone everywhere I travel that people want to learn to do that. So starting to develop some contacts with some nonprofit organizations, um, letting them know that you know this is something that you would love to share with their communities. That can be helpful because there's a structure in place and, um, and you can kind of have a conversation about what's needed. So they might be able to tap the community to see if there's any interest in this thing and or to direct you to another organization that might benefit from what you, what you have to offer. Um, but that's sort of assuming, that's sort of thinking from the, is there a skill? There may actually be, um, what's the word for it? It's not really a skill as much as, uh, I don't know, if, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, I mean, there are organizations that really need um, pro bono work in those areas. Uh, it doesn't mean that it necessarily easily translates to another culture, but thinking about, you know, and doing some research on what kinds of in initiatives um, might need or use the skill that you have, where you could go in and actually offer something. So those are a couple of ways. Um, if it is something you'd like to teach, um, thinking about, you know, where are those institutions? Is it, are there colleges or universities or, you know, or schools and 
again, that might be through a nonprofit organization that works in the education sector. It might be contacting directly a university, um, a college, or you know, if you're an artist, an art school. So those are some ways as well. Um, I'm also going to just mention the issue of language, which I didn't mention before, but I speak a couple of other languages. Um, so <laughs> French quite well. Yeah, Spanish, I'm still learning, but really trying. Um, and I think that considering that too, when you're making that choice is that if you do speak another language, that's a great place to start. Because again, that sort of Western imperialist view that, oh, everyone's going to understand me in English, or they'll get me a translator, that can also be another kind of presumptuous thing to go in with. So thinking about, can I communicate in this culture? If not, how can I make this useful without putting a lot of burden on the culture? That's one thing to consider. And then finally, I would say, um, you know, there are organizations that uh, actively recruit or use volunteers um, in international contexts. So there was one that I signed up to go to Sri Lanka with to do the, the house building project. Um, just something to think about with that is, I think it's, it's always good to think about this. If you want to offer support in some way, um, you know, it's always good to think about, is it going to be, more supportive or effective to donate money to this organization where they can do something that they already are doing or am I, is what I'm offering really valuable enough? You know, Because obviously there's money you can spend on the travel and there's money you can spend on a donation. And I'm not saying that you, know, you, you should not travel somewhere and instead you should give a donation. It's just something to think about. I, I got that question a lot when I went to Sri Lanka sort of like, well, the same amount of money you used to travel there could have rebuilt, you know, a hundred houses rather than the four you helped build, right? So it's just something to consider. And I would say that my answer to that, um, for me in that context was, you know, there are times I'm going to donate, I'm going to choose to donate. And I understand that that's going to do tremendous good and more good than me going there. But if you love to travel and that's something you're going to do anyway, right? And you really want to have that participatory experience, um, I do think that, you know, you can definitely figure out a way to, to make that work and think about things like um, my experience in Sri Lanka was, you know, there had been this tremendous, this natural disaster that had done so much damage to people, not just to their, you know, their houses, their safety, but also their psyches. And to have people from all over the world show up, say, you know, we're with you, we saw this, we really want to support you in mind, body, and spirit was, I think it seemed, and I think if we had asked them and talked about it, it seemed like it was very heart heartening to have so many people kind of coming in to kind of uplift and help in this effort. So just considering that as well. Yeah, I love the, that perspective because it kind of touches on on all the ways that you could have an impact, right? Like you could go, you know, spend your money on going and then help build a few houses. You could maybe not go and build 20 houses, you know, if you want to just donate money and that's the kind of impact that you want to have, or you can go and, and have that impact. That's kind of priceless. I think that I felt like the last one that you were talking about, you know, people feeling uplifted and supported after a big natural disaster and you can't really put a value on that so it's it's interesting you kind of gave us all the different ways to to, ha to have an impact and i don't think there's a right or wrong way it's just 
how do you want to engage with others and, and what does impact look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I want to add just one thing to what I just listed. And, you know, it, it is useful to do some homework before you go and, and see if you can identify organizations that might want or need the skill you have, communicate with them. One thing to keep in mind is some of the bigger international organizations, you know, they're, they might have a harder time integrating that. And some of the smaller grassroots ones might, might be a little more open to it. I've had experiences where I've been in countries and just said, oh, hey, can I help do this or that? You know, just I've been in the country and I've seen that the nonprofit is there and I've walked over to their office and I've had a conversation. So um, if you don't succeed in planning something ahead of time, because it can be hard to go through all the channels of a bigger organization, I would not lose heart. You know, you can still keep that goal in mind um, and go to the country you're planning to go to, think about what it is that you want to bring or offer um, and go visit the, visit offices there and think about the smaller places, maybe being a little more nimble and being able to respond a little less bureaucracy. Speaking of going and like having that, just having that in your mind um, when you're traveling, we were in Peru and we found this cat cafe. So they're a nonprofit you know, organization that helped place feral cats somewhere. And we didn't know it existed, but that was kind of like in our minds, like, oh, what could we do here? Like, we didn't really know. We hadn't done the research beforehand, but we found this place and we were able to go support them. And so, you know, yes, yeah, so sometimes it's really fun that if you just kind of have that in your mind and your, your eyes are open to opportunities, um, you can find things while you're there and not necessarily have had to do all the research before. Do you have an approach to targeting organizations? Like, do you look for locally run nonprofits? Do you, is it a mix? Do you look for the bigger ones? In my experience, and also just instinctually, I think sometimes the local ones are a little bit easier um, because again, there's just, there can be some layers of approval um, to go through a larger one. I, I have friends who, um, you know, a couple who's a writer and photographer, and they actually, before a big, a big trip, they reached out to many international nonprofits and said, we're happy to teach this or to offer this or do some, you know, some pro bono work for you too. And they were able to set that up ahead of time. And it just, it took some time. So if you have the time, I think the larger, that's not really large, but the international nonprofits where it's easy to communicate, right? Um, and maybe language isn't as much of a barrier, at least initially here that can be the way to go. I think looking for local nonprofits and, you know, because we have the power of the internet, we can do that. Um, I would say, depending on what you have to offer, you know, start do, doing some research around that. So looking at, so if I were a lawyer, I might, and I was going to India, I might look up human rights law um, organizations and try to surface and get a list of them. And then, you know, draft a letter and start reaching out to them. Um, and you could let the locations of those places lead where you travel, or if you know you really want to go to a certain region, let that lead where you reach out. But I do think that local nonprofits um, or yeah, local to those to the cultures that you're traveling to can be a little bit more, um, maybe a little more receptive, a little easier to connect with. Again, language might be um, something to consider there. I'm not saying that like no one will speak English in those organizations, but at an international organization, you'll always find people who speak English at, at one that's, that's local, you might not. So again, just keeping that in mind. Um, and yeah, I think doing research ahead of time is, it's maybe a more surefire way to make that connection 
but it's great to think of doing it once you get to on the ground. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot, um, there's a lot of possibility there. And especially like you said, if you go with the lens of, I want to find a place where I can connect and, you know, and do some, some kind of engagement, some kind of teaching, some kind of skill exchange. Yeah. I think, cause sometimes you get there and you can get a better pulse for maybe what the issues are or connect with people while you're there um, to even just, you know, might not be an issue. It might be um, an opportunity to help people be creative or, you know, any, you could tap into like, okay, what's around here. Sometimes you can't get that from reading, you know, online or, you know, there's value in, in either approach. For sure. Yeah. I would say, you know, that experience in Sri Lanka, just one example of it is that um, if I had gone there, say, not to go build houses, but, you know, just as a traveler, but then was out in this community and saw all these kids running around after school, you know, you could still imagine a, a, a way that you could spend time with the kids, organize some games. I mean, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be formal. I think it's an attitude, attitude as well. I think it's the way that you enter a culture. If you know, I want to get to know people here. I want to participate in some way. Um, it may not be necessarily a formal arrangement. It may just be how you walk into a space, you know, um, how you, how you engage with someone who, I don't know, who runs the restaurant next to the place where you're staying. You can strike up a friendship with someone if you walk in in the right way. And that is another way of doing, I'd say, participatory travel is just creating real connections. Yeah, those connections are, are really so important. And I think that's why a lot of us travel so that we can really meaningfully connect with others. I think too, it's if it's something that you're doing in your everyday that's a great place to start too. It's just part of how you are in the world, how you move through the world. And so then it's like, oh, of course you're going to bring that to your travels. You have different opportunities to share or be generous. Very much so. Yeah. I, I see musicians do that a lot. Um, you bring your instrument if it's, you know, not a stand-up bass, upright bass, but <laughs> you bring your instrument and show up somewhere with your instrument, you know, people will respond or there's ways of playing with musicians in that culture as well, or sitting down in the square and, you know, um, there's, that's just a wonderful way of connecting again, without necessarily having to know a language. That's why I wanted to talk to you because I feel like people bringing their passions with them to their travels, just an extension of who they are. And that I think creates just such meaningful connection. It's kind of that magic. So I want to know, do you have a place in mind that you're going to next? I did a Spanish immersion program in Oaxaca um, and I want to go back and do more of it. I really, um, so I'm now trained as a um, child and family therapist. And so one of the things I want to be able to do is serve different populations here. Um, and especially, you know, with what's been happening with the immigration crisis in this country, I want to be able to serve children, you know, Spanish speaking children here um, in their own language. And so that's something I'd really love to do. And then um, I did a training through, it's called the Harvard Program for Refugee Trauma. Um, and a lot of what they're training is how to work with um, populations in crisis. So maybe refugees or, um, you know, folks who've experienced natural disaster, right? So when I was in Sri Lanka, I didn't have that training. 
I was helping build houses. But now that I have this training, I'm thinking about how can I offer services, you know, therapeutic services to help people through crises. Um, and so I don't know where that where that will lead. I don't know which country, but there's there's need. And so there's organizations I know of like the Red Cross that you can volunteer with. And so that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about doing as well. That sounds wonderful. Where can people find out more about you? Well, on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. That's really my only social media right now. It's Kimberly Shevsik. I'll have a website up in the next couple of months. It's more about, you know, the therapy I do and then the writing that I have. And I pass a lot of the links to my articles, human rights articles, et cetera. Great. And then, so I'd like to end my show with a request for my guests um, to tell me about their most meaningful travel experience. And I know that's probably really hard for you because it sounds like you've had some very meaningful, impactful trips, but anything that just comes to mind where you feel like, yeah, you just had a, an impact and a connection with the culture or the community. So many. I do think that my experiences in, in Africa doing the Citizen Journalism Academy were among the most powerful, but I have a very specific memory of when I did bring my guitar and we did this music exchange. Um, and I, I brought a very American song, Lucinda Williams, I don't know if you know her, but she's sort of like a, you know, bluesy country kind of um, a singer here. And so I, I brought this song in and, um, and they asked me to teach it to them. So I started playing it and singing it. And everyone in the room started singing in harmony. And it was the most, it was, it was almost chilling. It was so beautiful. You know, this, this, I think there's a way, and I don't know the, the music, the musicology, all right, the term for it, but um, this harmony that's used a lot in a lot of like African music that is just gorgeous and multi-part and the song transformed. And it was like, it was such a cool, I think, um, blending of cultures. And it felt like, that moment, I'll never forget that moment of hearing this song that was just like my little simple five chord guitar song turned into this big, beautiful thing that felt African and American at the same time. Wow, that sounds so beautiful. And it kind of like gives me chills thinking about that. That moment was probably very special. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the show and sharing all of your insight and wisdom and experiences. Thanks so much, Kristen, for inviting me. It was really fun to talk about. Thanks for listening to the Explorer and You podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.